Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Patrick D. McCoy, your host, and welcome to Across the Arts. Today we are joined by soprano Kristen Lewis as a part of our The Opera Diva series. Soprano Kristen Lewis has graced the stage of many of the world's leading opera houses. Noted for her well-focused, majestic sound, rich in overtones and possessing a rare blend of piano culture and flourishing emphasis, she has been directed by among the most illustrious conductors. She is a native of Little Rock, Arkansas, and she grew up in a musical family and began singing and performing at an early age. Now, I could go on and on and on about Kristen, but we're going to let her go on with me about her career. <laughs> Welcome, Kristen, tonight to the Opera Diva Series. How are you? Oh, I'm doing quite well, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be with you and all of your listeners and um, all of my friends and family that are also joining us. Now, tell me, how did you get initially get interested in opera? Of all the things you could have gotten interested in, you know, as a young African-American girl in Arkansas, what really sparked your interest into opera? Well, as you mentioned, I grew up, I grew up in a very musical family. Uh, but I have to say, you know, I have a theory on most things. And my theory about uh, how I found my way into the realm of classical music and opera was not by choice. I think that with musicians, as with every other profession, we are called. And our responsibility is to accept the calling, develop it, nurture it, and then share it with the world. When this love of classical music was discovered within myself, um, I felt as if there was no other option. And I must say that I was very fortunate to have grown up in a very musical family. Um, I give the credit to my mother, who was my first influence. Uh, but probably my sister, uh, well, actually, she, takes, she famously takes the credit for being the motivation behind my being a performer in that when we were children, she would write uh, short plays and skits that I didn't have much of an option in terms of whether I could participate. But it all worked out really well because, you know, here we are now. (laughs) Wow. That is amazing. We always have those people in our lives who are our balcony people cheering us on and just wishing the the very best for us. So that's that's good to hear. And that came in the form of your sister. <laughs> now, Krista, who who are some of your your great composers? If you were on a desert island, what oh, what composer, particularly an operatic composer, would you like to be stranded with his music? You know, I because I sing so much, Gary, and I love his work so much. That would be my easy answer. But after thinking about it. If I were alone on a desert island with Betty, I'm not sure that I would know how to formulate a sentence. I would be so in <laughs> awe and nervous. So, you know, because actually, you know, this year I met uh, Dr. George Shirley for the first time. And I remember I was so awestruck when I met him that uh, quite early in our conversation, I said to him, Dr. Shirley, when we have a moment, I would really just into whatever you'd like to tell me. <laughs> and he laughed when I said that, but... I meant it in that when you're in the presence of greatness, what do you ask? You just hope to learn, Mm. to glean something from what they say. 
and you pray that you remember every word because it's like drops pearls of wisdom. And so I've, I've, I mean, it's similar, for example, when I met Grace Bunbury or the first time I met Muchi or any time I, I speak with Zubin Major, who's one of my mentors, I, it's always this feeling of, of gratitude and wanting to just make time stand still. But to have Verdi alone on an island and just, I, I'm not sure what I would do. Like, I would probably want to go practice and just say, okay, I'll be back. I'll be <laughs> or... Uh, it would just, you know, say, okay, I'm just going to be quiet and let you tell me anything about you, anything. And uh, we just go from there. It's a very difficult question, actually, because if there's just one, how do you choose just one? Um, yeah, I, I'd probably come up with 10. Wow. Now, you've had some, some triumphs at some major opera houses, particularly in Europe. And I understand that you recently uh, sang it at La Scala. What was that like? I Breathtaking. I, I've actually sung at La Scala um, four times. And um, stepping on that stage for the first time, I mean, again, it's one of these awe-inspiring moments, just entering into the stage door. And, you know, most, as in most opera houses, they have, along the walls of the corridors, they have um, posters from previous productions. I mean, sometimes going back decades. And to know that the greatest singers in the world walk down those same corridors, those same corridors, it, it's, it's, uh, it's humbling and also encouraging and inspiring and, and just fantastic. You feel as if you're floating. Um, I feel so very fortunate in having had that experience in many of the world's leading opera houses. And I, it never, that feeling of, of awe never goes away. And it, it doesn't matter how often it, I find myself in that type of experience, that feeling of gratitude and awe, it's always there. I mean, just walking the same steps as someone and knowing, okay, this could have been the spot where Carla stood before she went out and sang the role that I'm about to go sing. Or this is you know, the same person who helped Leontine Price prepare for, you know, one of the roles that she was famous for singing. I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming sometimes. Now, Talk to me a little bit, because besides your singing, you're doing a lot of philanthropy and, and mm-hmm. mentorship of, of up-and-coming uh, singers, particularly opera singers. Talk to me a little bit about mm-hmm. your Kristen Lewis Foundation and what it does mm-hmm. as far as nurturing uh, careers of young people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's one of the things that I am extremely proud of and passionate about. In 2014, I was so inspired to help the next generation of artists uh, that I decided to create a platform from which I can do my best in offering any resources I have to them. And I decided that I wanted to focus on young artists just as they are transitioning from university study and, and, and navigating their way to whatever they desire to be next for them. 
I understand there's not one particular way to be an opera singer, and each path is different. Um, and my second calling, I feel, is to offer support, and it's mostly because of all, all of the support that I received when I was in that same place in my development. I, I feel as if it's something that I'm, I'm duty-bound, and it, it fills me up in a way that um, I never imagined it would. I thought it was a great idea when I conceived the, the, the concept, but I've discovered within myself how enjoyable and just um, fulfilling it is to give to someone else and, and know that uh, they appreciate it and they and and they want they want it so so much. And so um, the idea started small. I wanted to give just I don't know one or two scholarships to deserving young artists, but I have this tendency of um, thinking really big. And so very quickly it turned into a much larger thing in which I really wanted to open it up to the country. And um, the response was amazing. And each year it's grown and um, it's, the foundation is really designed to be nurturing in that once you are accepted into the scholarship program, you're never eliminated. So it isn't like a, a typical competition in that, you know, each round gets smaller it's it's no it's designed uh, so that every participant who enters is able to receive something that they can take with them to their next experiences. So we offer scholarships. We also allow for uh, one singer to uh, travel to Europe with all expenses paid, and they receive to kind of get a glimpse into the life of of what uh, the opera world is like. Uh, from a European perspective. So they come to Vienna, they study uh, with my voice teacher, um, they take coachings from uh, the piano staff at the Vienna Staatsoper, they take um, language lessons and acting lessons, cultural experiences. You know, I, back to the statement I just made about how I, I tend not to, to think small, I, I determined that that isn't enough because the foundation in uh, in America is fantastic in that we give scholarships, but I thought, you know, I can do more because um, while giving them scholarships is wonderful for them to, to use as, as they see fit and find opportunities in which to develop, I realized that I could also provide an opportunity for them to develop. So I, I've just actually uh, created a, a second foundation that's based in Austria, which is where I live, and uh, its purpose will be kind of the next step. So the foundation in America will always exist, and we will always give scholarships. But in Europe, I want to provide actual performance possibilities. So it's more of a developmental program. So singers who will come here will have hands-on and opportunity to work with the best of the best um, in terms of artistic staff and um, to be able to um, – actually gain performance experience is the aim. So, and besides that, because the, the foundation is also in here in Vienna, there's also the possibility, I'm also creating a concert series that allows mm. for um, professional artists as well as young artists who are ready to uh, have 
world performance experience. So with different orchestras and different artists and all these different repertoire, it will allow, you know, just another way to, you know, develop and perform and really engage with the market, the European market. So I'm so excited about these things and it inspires me as an artist, not just as an administrator, to to work hard because and, and challenge myself because it encourages me. It 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 lights it, it relights, it keeps aflame my own passions. And so I'm constantly stimulated and, and um, motivated myself. And so I'm doing this not as a wind down of my career, but in the middle of it. Because I also have this crazy theory that I can do more well in my career than after because I'm mm. in the market that the next generation will be entering into. So the knowledge they gain from me or the experiences, the resources I can give to them are practical for right now, not from, you know, another time. And so there's value in anything that uh, today's artists are able to give to the next generation. But I think this is probably my best way. I mean, and it, it causes me to work really hard all the time because I'm doing this while having a career in performance. But it's what feels right to me and it, it fills me with so much. And I'm luckily surrounded by so much support that I'm not doing it alone. And it, that's what makes it feasible. Support is so important. It's so important to have the support of colleagues and friends and family. So that is wonderful that you uh, brought up that point. Now I want to go back to the fact that you've had your trajectory you know, in the world of opera and the European Opera House concert hall, it's certainly impressive. Um, as far as your path uh, as it continues, how would you like that to translate over into, say, the United States market? Do you have hopes to, to even sing even more over, you know, here at home? Um, talk to me a little bit about that because, as you know, a lot of African-American singers go to Europe and they have great, you know, triumphs in Europe. And I would just hope that mm-hmm. it would translate on both sides, that we could hear you more here. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I can say that when I uh, graduated with my master's degree from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, it wasn't my intention to uh, – to live on one continent or the other. I, I met my uh, my voice teacher, Carol Byers, when I was um, in graduate school, and I, I started coming to Europe to study with her during my breaks. And when I graduated, my determination was just to come to Vienna to stay for a longer period of time just to study. And um, But I came here and... I told myself and only myself that I was giving myself a year to just really intensively learn everything that I could and uh, work as hard as I, you know, or harder than I, than I had ever before. And um, after one year of studying and coaching and practicing and doing competitions and auditions, I received my first engagement and was approached mm. by an agent and it just started and it just kind of continued. So it wasn't, I didn't set off necessarily to just solely have a career in Europe. I, I followed 
my instincts in that uh, I felt it was where I needed to be at the time. And then I just only focused on the preceding step and it kind of turned into what it has become and and is now. Um, I always have wanted to perform also in America and it kind of eluded me for many years, but I didn't focus on it so much because I was and have been so blessed with opportunities in Europe that it was, you know, all of my concentration was just focused on what was before me. But I've always had the desire to sing in America, and I still do, and I am therefore overjoyed that uh, in this season we're in now that I will have my debut in America um, in Dallas, the Dallas Opera, my debut both, in the uh, Dallas Opera House and in the role of Manolo Sco. And uh, I plan to return again in the following season. So I'm I'm overjoyed by the thought of singing in America and am so looking forward to uh, being there and um, experiencing opera from an American perspective. Now, that is, you know, that, that that's so inspiring to me because that, that means that you are still, you know, you're progressing and striving. Even though you've had these big pinnacles, there's more to come. So I'm excited about that. Now, one other important part I noticed about your bio, and this is particular to maybe younger singers who are listening or people who are out in the field, competition has been a lot, a, a big part um of your career, could you maybe talk about what was involved when you prepare for these big prestigious competitions? Well, uh, there first of all, there's a lot of hard work involved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hard work and many hours of repetition. Um, you know, when I was uh, in undergraduate school and began to compete on that level, you know, another instinctual thing that I came to understand rather rather quickly was that when I thought about my colleagues, I don't like to view them as, I never view them as competitors, in fact, but when I thought about my colleagues in competition, I chose quite early to never see them as competition because I thought that if I'm looking so intently on what you're doing, then I'm not really focused on what I should be doing. And so I took that to, to mean for myself that the competition was only with me to sing better today than I did yesterday. Or if Mm -hmm. I, um, I remember on the undergraduate level, the first time that I competed in the Nats competition, which, you know, which is what you do when you're in undergraduate school and graduate school sometimes as well, Nats, that's just, you know, that was the biggest thing that, that, you know, I had done up until that point. And I remember the very first time I, I competed, I mean, I prepared, but I guess the combination of not really knowing what to expect, but then also, I guess, taking for granted a little bit that, you know, I could sing and, you know, I was doing well in my 
Department of Music, the University of Central Arkansas, that I didn't have so much to worry about. I wouldn't say it was necessarily cockiness, but I just didn't recognize how much preparation should go into a competition. So that first, that first time, I think I made it to the semifinals, but then I didn't make it to the finals. It angered me because we had to all stay because some people didn't make it to the finals. And I remember sitting in the audience and listening to the finalists. And I can remember specifically what I said to myself. I said, their voices are all lovely, but it doesn't make mm. sense that I'm not on that stage. So that lit a fire in me, let me tell you, because the following semester, I said, no, 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 I am not going to sit in the audience for another final round of any competition ever again. So not only that next semester did I win first place, but thereafter, you know, I did not leave a competition with at least having made it to the final round. Because I determined a lot of things in that moment that, uh, my focus was was off, and, and you know, I I received this jolt of what to expect and what was required. So I prepared much better. I understood that I needed to be always on my personal best level because on that level, it's good enough. And that just kind of became my philosophy. And even till now, like I've I've always shied away from the thought of competition, even in auditions. Because I believe that what's for me is for me, and what's for you is for you. And so I don't need to mm. have this idea of competing with you because I, I don't want what's yours. I want what's mine because then it's right. And, and so when I do my best, it's enough. And it's been enough because I've had a career based upon my abilities. And whenever I've kind of allowed myself to get off of that way of thinking, it hasn't turned out as well because I wasn't focused on me. I was looking outward. And so it's something I've always kind of held on to, and it's something that I'm quite proud of because I understand that fundamentally, you know, we're all called to do something. And when we focus on that, it will be okay. We will be where we're supposed to be, and we will give to the world what we were meant to give. And so, you know, it's one of those things that I – it's an ideology that has kind of served me well. You know, I'm just, I'm just so impressed and I'm just so happy that I passed a course and I have an opportunity to talk to you about <laughs> your career. And as we wind down our interview, I want to take a moment um, to play you singing Puccini's Vita Gata. Um, I hope that it, it projects well over. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this now for the listeners. This is uh, Visitati by Puccini.
That was wonderful. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. Bravo, bravo, bravo. As we um, <clears throat> wrap up our interview, Kristen, first of all, again, I want to say on behalf of the Opto, much for being amenable to, to talk to us. What time is it there in Vienna right now? Oh, it's after midnight here. It's almost 1230 a.m. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for just, just giving of your time and of your, your gifts and your talents. And and just before we, we uh, end the interview, could you give us some parting words maybe to uh, a young aspiring singer who who maybe is, is losing their way and as far as, you know, pursuing a career mm. in opera or classical music? What would, you, what would you tell that young person to inspire them? Well, I think that the fundamental message one should always tell themselves is that um, it's to be honest about what you need, where you are. A lot, it isn't important that you follow your the path toward your dreams based upon what else, by the way, that someone else has, has gone or done it. It is most important for you to be honest about what you need and where you are because when you do that, you receive what you need 
and then you can you can move forward. I think that it's always good to believe that hard work never stops. And so as much as you give of yourself, know that you will have to give that same amount every day. And most importantly, believe in yourself. Because if you know that you've been called to do something, then what's for you is waiting for you. So don't Thank stop striving you. for that. Thank you so much. Again, we've been listening so to Chris Soprano, Kristen Lewis. We've been listening to Soprano Kristen Lewis on the Opera Diva series. I am Patrick D. McCoy, and you've been listening to Across the Arts, the Opera Diva series featuring Soprano Kristen Lewis. Kristen, thank you again so much for joining us. It's been my pleasure, Patrick. So much fun. Thank you. Okay, thank you.